I was really hoping VR would take off a little bit more pre-pandemic, but I think if there's another shutdown, I think you're really going to see the explosion. There's the my friend at Nokia, Doug Hohulin, projects 1 billion VR users in the next 10 years. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. We've got a, a great lineup today. We've got the special guest of Joyce and myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing our second segment today. We're going to be talking about uh, the, the the labor trends, what it's like. It's Well, Joyce and I have been doing this a long time. So uh, we're going to, uh, Joyce's uh, newsletter, the Herman Trend Alert, just came out. Some new updates. And today's show, we're going to be talking about virtual reality. And for those who don't know what virtual reality is, uh, you'll find out. We've got Dr. Angelina Dayton from the Virtual World Society here. And that'll be, uh, she's doing a tremendous amount of work, literally on Cherokee Nation. We're going to be talking about how they're using it for schools. But just imagine, well, don't have to imagine uh, because we weren't around then, but in, in 1918, when we had a pandemic, and then a hundred years later, uh, we just had our pandemic. Think about what it would have been like without Zoom, without yeah. technology. Uh, yeah. Think about just 10 years ago, what it would have been like. Uh, we still had 2G around, I think, at that point. Think about the bandwidth, the technology, how we would have, what, what would have happened? I mean, as bad as education was this year and as challenging was for some people with work and jobs, and Zoom, you know, and having Zoom fatigue at this point, and everybody's been isolated and quarantined. Just imagine what it would have been without all those technologies, without the Zooms, without Echo, without an internet. It um, would have been a nightmare. Right. It yeah. would have been a nightmare. Imagine oh. having to entertain kids or homeschool kids or connect with business associates just on the telephone when it worked. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's no question um, that despite our challenges with technology and our complaints about technology, it was a godsend. Now, let's roll that forward a little bit. Let's just talk about, and some of you may not even have any idea, many of you may not have ever experienced uh, what it was like to be in virtual reality or augmented reality. Now, roll the clock forward just a year or two or three, and we'll get that, that, that data, how close we are, to be able to have school vir truly virtually. And we're going to talk about that because we talk about we, we went virtual. No, we really didn't go virtual. We went digital. We went online. 
but it's not the same as being virtual. Virtual is a completely different experience. And if you haven't, if you haven't experienced that, hopefully you will. If you have, then you know a little bit what we're talking about. And hopefully you'll contribute. Hopefully you'll put some uh, comments, some questions on YouTube, Facebook. Let us know what you're thinking. You've had a good experience in VR or AR. If your business is using it, uh, let us know what you're doing. Uh, because again, we're this we're just on the cusp of, of something new. We got a couple uh, webinars coming up. One is uh, we had a very successful adaptability quotient webinar just a week ago. Um, we're doing it again, uh, May 20th. And I think Roxy will get the link up there in a little bit. There we go. Thank you, Roxy. Uh, we've got that. So if you go up, you can register for uh, 520 is May 20th. Uh, 1 p.m. Uh, we're talking about the adaptability. Also, if you go, uh, on my website, if you go to the um, top of the page, uh, there is a link. I'm also doing another one called uh, Duct Tape uh, Can't Fix Your Effed Up Candidate <laughs> Experience. Uh, and, I love it. I love and, uh, it. So that's been kind of a very popular one on the on the Sherm and HR and business circuit doing couple, doing that topic on a couple of events. And so we put that up for people who who aren't participating in some of those conferences and not everybody's in HR and not every recruiter. So if, if you're interested, so that's uh, there as well. And I'll, we'll be sure to get that link. But you can get that on the website or if you're part of Googleization Nation, which I hope you subscribe to that Googleizationnation.com, uh, you will get weekly updates. With these events, uh, podcasts, webinars, uh, newsletters, and uh, other special offers that we hope to be uh, releasing throughout the year. And special thanks to our partner in Go Movie More. Yeah. And they will be actually launching the platform next month in May, uh, later in May, uh, like toward the end of the month. Um, all of us are really looking forward to that with almost 90 coaches uh, who are covering all kinds of different areas, personal okay. growth, health and wellness, professional growth. It, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and I know you're a participant, and I know uh, a, a past guest a couple of weeks ago, Bill Jensen, I just saw, is, is a coach as well. Yes. Hey, we don't want to cut into any more time for Angelina. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about vir the virtual world. So we're going to welcome Dr. Angelina uh, Dayton. She is currently the senior researcher at Virtual World Society, and uh, you can certainly connect with her. I, I want to know how she ended up as the senior virtual reality research scientist <laughs> at the Virtual R World Society. Can we start with that, Ira? Go for it. Angelina, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you, Joyce and Ira, for having me. Um, I had the opportunity about a year ago to meet the grandfather of VR, Dr. Tom Furness, and I spoke to him about the work that I was doing here in Cherokee Nation and in various other places that I work, but specifically here, where I had the opportunity through the American Indian Resource Center to put over 10,000 students into VR headsets um, pre-COVID, and uh, we hit it off. And we decided that more research needed to be done on how to promote the large-scale deployment of virtual reality because its time has come. And so when I had an opportunity to uh, work with him, I said, do you need a senior virtual reality research scientist? And he goes, I didn't know I did, but I think <laughs> I do. And so I started Love working it. with him. And it's it's been a wonderful, 
wonderful experience. He's a, a visionary. So, so uh, two questions. One, first one's personal. How how did how did you end up getting located on Cherokee Nation? It doesn't seem like the most likely spot. I mean, it's not Silicon Valley, uh, at <laughs> least that I'm I'm aware of uh, for virtual reality. And well, we'll answer yeah. that one, then I'll go to the second one. Okay, so you can do virtual reality anywhere. So the the beauty of it is that if you have internet, and actually where I live, they have fiber internet, and it's pretty good most of the time, although I travel, and so there'll be times where I don't even have cell phone service, but there are a number of cows around me that can relay the message, however <laughs> they do. Um, but uh, my family's originally from uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma, and my then husband was from um, actually Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and our daughter wanted uh, is Cherokee, and so we uh, decided to come so she could go to the Cherokee Language Immersion School, and now she is teaching Cherokee language in VR during the pandemic. I so, love that. Everything works together. Amazing. Because again, I, I wouldn't, you can take virtual reality anywhere, but you wouldn't think that's a hub where that's where a virtual world society might. I would say that my previous appointment was with the American Indian Resource Center led by uh, a visionary woman named Pam Iron. And she actually purchased headsets pre-pandemic for a large portion of the schools out here. And so if you get to connect with people who are risk takers, courageous, a little crazy, you can do wonderful things almost anywhere. So if we, before we dive into some of the work that you're doing and how hopefully, hopefully it will transform the way that we work and when, it's not if when there's another pandemic or another crisis that we won't have that Zoom fatigue. Can you explain in layman's terms the difference between digital, online, and virtual. Because I keep saying we're, we're all working virtual. And I guess in one sense we are, but we're struggling because it's a two-dimensional experience at best. So there's a lot of different terms. Some people call it distance learning. Some people call it online learning. Some people call it digital learning. And some people, I think, say virtual learning, like you said, Ira, but that's not really what they, they mean. I consider virtual learning when you're actually entering another world. Um, and so like the class my daughter teaches in Cherokee, they're on a snowflake in an imaginary winter world. And then they explore the words for polar bear and for deer, and they learn in an entirely different world, a world that you create um, and a world that in a lot of ways you move through like you move through the real world where there's what we consider spatial, 3D spatial interaction where Zoom fatigue is really about, and Joyce and I had spoken about this previously, not really connecting. And so in a virtual world, we, we hug each other when we see each other for the first time after a long time. We share food, even though we can't eat. One of my really dear friends, Donna McTaggart, has a cooking show, and she teaches people how to cook. Um, we explore places like Antarctica together, where it can be the middle of summer where you are, but you kind of feel cold. So our body has that experience of being together, even though you're not, which counteracts that Zoom fatigue. I was really hoping VR would take off a little bit more pre-pandemic, but I think if there's another shutdown, I think you're really going to see the explosion. There's the my friend at Nokia, Doug Hohulin, projects 1 billion VR users in the next 10 years. And Doug is actually going to be a guest in a few weeks. 
yes. on the show. He's so, wonderful. Uh, He's so is, is large scale deployment of VR into schools really possible? And and who's going to pay for that, Angelina? Yeah, it's actually people. Uh, schools have tech budgets, but unfortunately, there's not the understanding of the best way to utilize that. So um, sometimes the tech budgets get spent on things that are unfortunately um, the overflow from industry of dead tech. Um, uh, when I go out and give talks at schools, I say Best Buy salesmen are not your friends. <laughs> um, they're offloading things that they can't sell to industry anymore, but they can't sell to business anymore. And so um, I think that the cost is coming down. The battery life is uh, getting longer. The weight is getting lighter. And you're seeing an integration really into things like healthcare industry, um, oil and gas here in Oklahoma. Um, a lot of different realms are needing the um, proficiency of young uh, young people. When they, they need a qualified workforce. And so it's the time that schools need to pick it up. I know that Chromebooks are awesome, but, and I'm gonna say this, it's very controversial. Um, screens are dead. Wearable technology is where it's at. All of us will look like Tony Stark one day. My kids like to say, <laughs> My kids like to say I'm Tony Stark if Tony Stark was a mom. Um, and I take that as a compliment. I don't know if it is, but I take it as a compliment. And so it doesn't mean that screens go away, just like we do things digi digitally now and books have not gone away. It means that the primary medium for most of the training and learning that we're doing over the next decade will be um, on in wearable headsets of some sort. Now, everybody says, Angelina, you're not right, but I want to let people know that there was a time that I was in a conversation like this where I said, people are gonna start doing online baking and everybody said, Angelina, you're crazy. So uh, you can believe or not believe, but it's going to happen either way. If you can, if you can 3D print a chocolate cake <laughs> you, and, and a hamburger, <laughs> you, you can absolutely learn virtually, right? <laughs> yes. And our youth um, are, I say emerging tech has finally caught up with the creativity and genius of youth they're ready when i go into a classroom and, and they say well how do i do this i say well the first thing you need to do is get out of the way because um what what doug and i call boomers he'll probably talk more about it in your podcast are people who are virtual natives they're partially digital digital natives because they have that digital proficiency but they really live more in a virtual world they understand that time flows a little bit differently. The work schedules get a little bit different. Um, relationships are different. And they create the world that they live in. Um, a lot of times we think of education and training as consuming or contributing. But youth create the world that they live in. And you do that, literally create the world that you go experience VR in. So. Um, so I know one of the hurdles right now, and again, you're holding up your headset. I got my Oculus Go. I got to upgrade it um, because it doesn't update anymore. Uh, but the it, it's still cumbersome. I mean, there's you know, and the, the investments come way down. Um, but it's still a cumbersome headset to. to I mean, we're not going to go out and and there's some people that that uh, get dizzy and nauseous, and there's, there's there's other effects which have all gotten improved. How close are we? to, and maybe this is a, um, well, I'm, I'm sure you have the answer, but maybe this is a Doug question. How close are we to, to really having a, a easier access to um, the equipment that, that it's not so burdensome? 
So I like to tell people about kind of how TVs evolved. Remember when we had those huge console TVs and we didn't have remote controls? And some of us, if we wanted to get a UHF uh, channel, we had to go in the back with like a butter knife. And then remember when we used to put contacts? How about aluminum foil? I mean, aluminum foil, right? And then with cell phones, uh, well, with and then with computers, they were large mainframes, and then they came down. And then with cell phones, remember when we had to put in our contacts? Like if it was if your contact started with the letter C, you had to go A, B, C, and then the C came up. Um, and so uh, what you're going to see is as as the need um, for this type of interaction with our medium increases then the technology will meet that need. And so what you find right now um, in like medicine is that it you can train cheaper and faster and you have better retention with XR technologies, be it augmented reality or virtual reality. And so there's a motivation on the part of industry to invest in better ways. And as that as that motivation increases, then your technology will move along with it, right? Um, uh, commerce and capitalism drive innovation. Um, uh, actually, it's gaming, but and Reddit, but you know that doesn't that doesn't sell. So uh, you say it's 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 actually teenage boys with too much time and money on their hands. <laughs> so getting yes. back to medicine, Angelina, what do you see as the major obstacle to adoption of virtual reality in medicine? They use a lot of virtual reality and augmented reality already. I would say medicine is probably has the lowest barriers to entry because they adopt it so quickly and their innovation is so um, so quick because of the need. And so uh, one of the training things that are happening right now, and Doug might talk about this in Kansas City, is COVID training uh, was happening in VR and that makes it a lot easier and safer. What you find is, in industries like healthcare or things like pipelines, gas and oil, where there's, or, or even things like welding, two things uh, help drive the innovation. One is you want to reduce risk, and the other one is, is you don't, you want to reduce material costs. So if it costs a lot of money for me to use the materials to learn how to weld, I can begin to learn that skill set uh -huh. because I create all of the materials. If I need more material, I can just create it. Right. Um, and if I want to reduce risk, um, it's it's a lot less risky to skydive in VR than it is in real life. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so it's all about showing that it's actually more profitable or we talk about gain from operations when we're talking about healthcare, but it, it ends up costing less to adopt VR for training than any other means. So that makes a lot of sense to me. What we have right now is a shortage of people that are experts in how to deploy. And um, like any time, remember the dot-com boom, everybody got a website, but nobody, sometimes people didn't really have a business. And so there's some of us that, uh, and that's what I'm investigating right now. There are some of us that understand what you need to do to design and deploy. And then there's some people who, say they do. And if you don't know, right, who, I mean, you're just going to um, l listen and say, that sounds great. And so what we're trying to get is quality deployment, especially in schools. Mm. Best Buy salesmen are not your friends, they're salesmen. Um, <laughs> so that you invest in quality equipment, 
And more importantly, especially for the virtual world society, when you do create the world that you're going to inhabit, you do that in a place of love and wonder. Um, we can learn a lot from the advent of television or the internet about how, when this new media launches, how are we going to get the outcomes we want, like increased productivity, but maybe also not have Zoom fatigue or not have people's whole lives consumed in their um, in their employment. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the young people, they're not going to work 40 years at a job if they're not feeling fulfilled, if they don't feel like they're becoming the people they want to be, right? So I know we talk uh, on a lot of the other shows, especially since this is about, somewhat about HR, uh, we talk about the employee experience and the candidate experience. Um, this takes it to a completely different level. I mean, we're, we're, we're not even in the same conversation uh, when we're talking about it, what it would be like to apply virtually, literally, truly virtually, not just remotely, but <laughs> virtually, uh, or what the ex employee experience would be like uh, if, if we were able to do some of those tasks or all the tasks. Yeah. To actually work in a virtual world. Right. So, so actually, uh, oh, go ahead. with the, I would say with the introduction of any new media, some things are extended and some things are amputated. So if you look uh, at like television, um, at first it kind of just looked like theater, but on a screen, but then it evolved. And so in some ways you didn't have the proximity to the actors. Um, and that was kind of something that was amputated, but then other things were extended through the medium. And so when we think about the employee experience, some things will be extended and some things will be amputated. And that doesn't mean things are necessarily good or bad. It just means that uh, you have to consider what are the costs and benefits because all new medium have it. They say, oh, VR is great. VR is great and it's not, right? Television is great and it's not. Reading is great and it's not. Um, and so you have to examine the things from the experience that you create that are extended and amplify those things and those things that are amputated and then minimize the cost of that to the individual. Because at the end, I know we talk about productivity, but you and I enjoy all of us know that productivity is directly related to my experience. If I'm a happy employee, I work more. And so how do you maximize that in the creation of the work experience in VR? Angelina, you you mentioned um, like in Kansas City that they were training co uh, they were training workers. Was it workers for COVID? Nurses. They were doing the COVID um, training to de sterilize uh, the uh, the uh, hospital places that COVID the, patients the might be going through. So sterilization, yeah, sterilization practices. Yes. What What are some other applications that that you've seen? Um, is I know there's a lot in training and manufacturing or what are in some of the other industries, how are they uh, applying uh, AR or VR? I mean, you name it. One of my favorite ones is there was a VR experience um, that you could do to train for Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, <laughs> so that you would be safe with the oil. And it was just goofy, right? Um, there's a lot of AR experiences where you project out um, onto the pipelines to see if you're in danger, if, if one of the valves or ga gauges are a little bit off. Um, we train uh, uh, for public speaking in HR, if you get practice in firing somebody um, and they what's happening in return, you get the experience of 
they're doing it in teacher training. So the first time there's a meltdown of a student in a classroom isn't the first time that you're experiencing that. You can go through the experience a couple of times to say uh, when the kid's on the ground or they're screaming or there's a, a case where I feel like I'm in danger, how would I react? So any any place where the I think it's really useful to not have your first experience of something that could be dangerous or uh, liable to be, the first time you jump out of an airplane, you might wanna do it in VR, um, where, <laughs> where, it's, where you can um, afford yourself a level of safety or reflection in process. You're gonna find that it's very productive um, on, on the other side for the happiness and well-being of your employee and to reduce costs and liability for your business. I know two years ago, I think it was the corner. Well, no, I, well, I don't think it was at the Cornerstone On Demand conference when when they were still doing them live and in person. And uh, I think it was Oculus or it was a company that was working with Oculus. Uh, they had a sexual, uh, um, can't remember, it was sexual harassment or diversity. Uh -huh. uh, but you, you went into a, the virtual room, you, you put on your headset, you went into the virtual room and you sat down with three other people and you, you observed, you were involved in this conversation and the conversation was just loaded with microaggressions. Mm. And so it, it, it basically was, you, you, you became uncomfortable, although it wasn't real, but you were also able to be in a safe place, just as you said, where you can see all of this happening and it gets pointed out in the reaction of how do you deal with it hmm. and, and, and learning, you know, so again, with so much talk about microaggressions and, and diversity and inclusion in the workplace, um, great opportunity for it. Yeah. And you remember those experiences as if they're real. I mean, they are real. They're happening. You know, we're not in this, we're not make believing it. Um, they are real. So it, it, your retrieval and your of, of that information later on is is more than if you read it in a book because you feel it my son-in-law backed out of a parking space that was next to a, a concrete pillar and he he turned his wheel too soon because he was young and he hit it and he says now whenever i back up i feel in my meat that the front part of the car hitting the pillar, I will never make that mistake again. And I think in VR, when you have an experience like that, that's why it's so important that you don't put yourself into, you're careful at what you select as your experiences, because you will remember it, like my son-in-law said, in your meat later on. You don't want to always be with zombies running away. That's not good for you, right? <laughs> we, we at the Virtual World Society, we promote wholesome uh, activities and and guided experiences through things like diversity training, because you you will feel that you want to feel it. We all want to feel. We want to keep the humanity. I do human computer interaction, and I lean towards the human part of it because it's more fun, right? And so, if you have a guided experience with something that makes you feel uncomfortable, and then you can process it, you're really going to feel it in you yourself later on, in your gut later on, and you're more likely to see behavioral change. Angelina, it seems to me that VR experiences are even more memorable in some ways than, than the, the experience, the physical experience that we might have because it has a newness about it and it has a quality about it that is uh, very engaging and 
perhaps more engaging than what we're accustomed to all the time. And the I remember. Yeah, is that true? The possibilities, the possibilities are endless. I'm a children's magician just by, um, just because it's fun. I picked it up a few years ago and it helps kids when they're sick or, or you know, birthday parties or in line at Walmart. And the newness of the, the newness of the magic is very much like VR. Um, and right. what I tell people is that if you do a magic trick for a child, they say, oh, do it again, do it again. And if you do it for an adult, sometimes they say things like, how did you do that? Right. They, they don't really let themselves go in VR. Most adults say, do that. Let's do that again. Let's go flying again. Let's go explore again. That newness um, doesn't really ever wear off because there are millions of experiences that you can have. I say, you want to always have an adult friend that will say, do it again, do it again. <laughs> the ones that still have that childhood perspective on things. And being in VR, um, you, you meet people who are courageous enough to uh, stand in a space where magic is happening. Angelina, I'll give you, a great, I'll give you a great story. And then we, we unfortunately, we got to wrap up. Uh, but uh, it's almost two years ago. Uh, had my mother, uh, we were, everyone, the family was here, had my mother who at the time would have been 95. My father-in-law was 93. I just pulled out the Oculus um, and we we put them on and wasn't sure, uh, again, because, you know, were they going to get dizzy or nauseous or disoriented? Um, my mother is in it and she's, you know, moving around, you know, as you do, um, you know, going 360. We had a watch that she didn't fall over. Uh, because she was viewing the cavern, and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, where am I? Oh, I'm in India. Oh, where?" At? And my mother, at least, is a little digitally savvy that she uses a computer, she emails, um, and that's about the extent. But at least to that point. But my father-in-law is none of the above. I mean, a di a, you know, the, the mo an advancement is having a push-button phone. <laughs> oh, I mean, there, he has no internet. There's no connection. I mean, and so he went up. We couldn't get it away from him. I mean, you talk about, hey, what's next? You know, or what? Yeah, let's do it again. I mean, he do it would, again, do it again. And I recorded him doing it. So if anybody doesn't believe me. So, again, this isn't just for young gamers, as you said, teen, adolescent boys. Um, this is uh, this really I, I'm really excited about this. And just this conversation thought of all these different applications of, of where you know, it could be used. So we need to absolutely have you back. I know you you and I will be having a continuing conversation. Um, but we'd and love can I can I do a plug for anybody who's oh, yeah. interested in being yeah, whoever's interested in being a part of the virtual world society, you can go to virtualworldsociety.org and sign up to be a member. And we have events, community events. And if you check out also I'm a part of educators in VR, they have a lot of events also, educators in VR.com. And uh, those are two great organizations to get involved with. And I, I cannot speak about them enough. Um, you'll find somebody else interested in what you're interested in, which is it's all about community. It's the human part of human computer interaction. Wow. And those <laughs> events, those events are held in a virtual world, I would imagine. Some, and some in Zoom because we help people. We hold their hand into the transition into the new medium. And then also we, we really want to encourage people to reflect on what is the world you want to create and be a part of, right? Because that's what it's about. And, and what's the best way to, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you? 
they can either go to the virtualworldsociety.org and my email address is there, angelina.dayton at virtualworldsociety.org or the vrlady at gmail.com because that's how I'm known around here. Whenever children see me, they say, the VR lady's here, the VR lady's here. At Walmart, mom, mom, that's the VR lady. So that's become, I'm at thevrlady.com also. So the, the, the VR lady and the Googleization guy meet, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that's where I walk in. Yes. Oh, the Googleization guy. <laughs> Is that what they call you? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, thanks. It's such very a much. pleasure. Yeah, no, absolutely. This was fun. Uh, as I said, we, we should change the name of the show is We're Just Getting Started. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, Angela. Uh, we'll be in touch. I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited about this. And hopefully we'll see you in uh, VR. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> wow. Back, back to our uh, 2D world right here. Uh, so, I knew it was to be. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Uh, you've been listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization, uh, talking a little bit about VR, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, quite a few applications, and uh, more excited now than I was just 30 minutes ago. Uh, if you haven't had that experience, uh, hopefully you'll go up. Uh, please uh, look up the Virtual World Society. Uh, you can learn a little bit about that if you know anybody who has a headset. If you, When we're out and about, if you're near me, uh, certainly I'd be happy to share it or we're at a conference. I, I tend to carry it these days, or I was taking it around just because I was talking about it. But um, they're but, really inexpensive, Ira. They're only like $300. Yeah, uh, there, there's no question. They've come down. They used to be quite like everything else, and, and they're coming down in price even more. Uh, so hopefully, uh, maybe one of these days soon, we'll be doing Geek Skeezers Googleization in, in uh, virtual, virtual world. world. I love it. I for love sure. it. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back for our second segment. And, and today, it's Joyce and I, we're going to be talking about uh, the, I guess, the future of jobs and what some of the job trends are and uh, some of the uh. things that have happened. Um, over uh, over that, and certainly, uh, uh, I the guess the world of hurt, the world of hurt that some of our clients and employers yeah. are finding themselves in with so many openings. Yeah, we're going to talk about that and what to do about it, of course. So right now, we're going to hear from our sponsors in Gomu and Success Performance Solutions. So please stay tuned. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, everyone, Googleization Nation, and uh, welcome back to uh, Geek Skeezers and Googleization, the second part of our show today. Uh, and we are going to 
be talking about, uh, what Joyce and I have been talking about for years. <laughs> One is, yes. uh, Joyce, you called it the impending crisis uh, yes. almost 20 years ago. Too many jobs, too few people. Wrote a book about it, yes. I did that. And then the following year, I was talking about it, but then the following year, my book came out. Uh, that was 2003 for you, 2004 for me. It was the perfect labor storm. Yeah. And uh, guess what? We're living in a perfect labor storm and having an impending crisis uh, 20 <laughs> years later. But, uh, so before we dive into it, your newsletter just came out, which is the Herman Trend Alert. Just came out today. Uh, for anybody who's interested, I'd suggest uh, going up and subscribing to that uh, because you talked about taking care of your talent or, or else. We've been talking about that the last few weeks with a lot of people and uh, virtual reality. Maybe that'll be a, a way to do it. But uh, in doing some of my research, uh, I've been writing about this. You might have seen it posted on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of reports coming out of, of how difficult it is. Uh, despite the pandemic, despite 6% unemployment rate, uh, and prior to that, more higher, uh, how companies are really struggling to fill positions. Um, but uh, I got to read this. Uh, so McKinsey, I uh, pulled some of these stats from McKinsey's. Uh -huh. um, they raised the epidemic, or the epidemic, they raised the estimate of how many workers would need to change occupations um, by 2025 by 28%. Uh, since the pandemic, and again, we talked about it accelerating that change. Uh, on average, companies estimate that 40% of their workers will require reskilling of six months or less. So not huge investments. They don't have to go back to college for four years and get a degree, but 40% of workers will need to require reskilling. 94% of business leaders report that they, they expect employees to pick up those new skills which is a whole other conversation. Um, and, then the, and then the share of core skills, and this is important. We've been talking about this a long time, about the life, what the life cycle of a skill was, and it keeps crushing down, uh, or the half-life of a skill. The share of core skills that will change in the next five years is 40%, and 50% of all employees will need reskilling of some form or fashion. Uh, we talked about this 20 years ago. Yeah, and and you know Deloitte, the Deloitte study even was more shocking because it said that only 16% of our employees have the skills and abilities that they will need moving into the future, which means that it's going to be full employment for contract trainers and and anyone who does training and development if if companies are smart enough to understand the world of hurt that they're heading into. And, you know, the, the truth is that employers uh, can't, they can't operate until everything gets automated. And God knows when that's going to be without people. We need people to serve our customers and make the products and provide the services and right now, we have 15 million job openings. And that was a month ago. So it's probably even more. 15 million openings that are, are not filled, according to ZipRecruiter's latest study. 15 million. Now, when I wrote the, the book, Impending Crisis, Too Many Jobs, Too Few People, we looked at what the Bureau of Labor Statistics said 
And we forecasted out that in the future, by 2010, that we would have a shortfall of 10 million people to fill those positions. Uh, this is 15 million. This is like 50% more than that. I mean, that's a lot of, of openings. And the, the challenge is why? Why aren't people going back to work? Well, it's childcare and it's fear of bringing infection home. And, and it's true that the, the vaccination movement is going to help if enough people get vaccinated. But it's also the fact that there are a lot of people, Ira, who are just discouraged. They, they lost their jobs in like the beginning of the year for two months or three months. They worked really hard to try to find new jobs. And then they became disenchanted with the whole process. And now we need them and we want them back yesterday. And they're saying, well, you know, I've got this stimulus check and I can still get by. And uh, sadly, many of my uh, clients who are frontline, uh, who hire frontline people, who low-skilled people are saying that people don't want to come back to work because they don't have to. And that's really disturbing to me. So, so there are some answers, Ira, that you and I can talk about for employers. And one of them, of course, is to make sure that you have the right person in the right job and that you want to do using assessments, right? Oh, absolutely. But I'll even go beyond that. And, and thank you for the plug. Um, but it absolutely is making sure you have it right. But I think there needs to be an assessment of the company as well. Yes. Uh, you know, I taught everybody's heard me talk a lot about candidate experience. And as you said, my 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 top, you know, my the titles of my keynote, you know, is either your candidate experience is all effed up, uh, which is FCDD, by the way, which is frustration, confusing, disappointing, and distraction, uh, uh -huh. or duct tape won't can't fix your effed up, your FCDD'd up uh, experience. <laughs> uh, but it's true. Um, people, you companies, let's start with this. Companies want people to come back. Most of them have the same, uh, I'll the PG rated show crappy, um, <laughs> applications processes. They're, they're up again, posting a job description that doesn't tell anything. It doesn't look anything different than anybody else because it's probably been copy and pasted from somebody from either their attorney or from the SHRM site, uh, somebody copy and pasted a job description. Ouch. Uh, what people want to know is, what's it like to work for the company? Who's my boss going to be? Uh, will I have opportunities to learn? If I come back, what if what if there's another shutdown? Will I be laid off? How will they treat it? Then you go- How much flexibility will I have? Now you go into the parental, you know, what's the parental care? What happens to my kids? What happens if they call off school? What It's all these things. And, and policies, some companies, there are really a lot of, I won't say a lot. There are absolutely some company companies that people pull examples from. And there's a lot of good people out there that are, have rewritten the rules, rewrote the policies. And you go, you know, just as I did, it's like, listen, I'm, I'm a small business. We didn't have a lot of rules and policies, but wow, we were doing a lot of activities. I was doing a lot of activities that all of a sudden realized I didn't need to do. And 
it's not like, oh, I can't wait to go back. And as soon as we go back, we have to reinstate all those rules and regulations. But there are companies that are already doing that. And then there are the other companies that are that are recognizing that they need to, they're rewriting the plan on the fly. They don't know how it's going to work. It's fluid. We're living in this perpetual era or era of perpetual uncertainty. Uh, we it, it, We're not going back to have a finite physical building because you you've heard we both talked about this and with the guests is that it will be hybrid at at best um and yeah and and as as hybrid though we need to create environments where our employees will feel safe to come back right so, so but if they're even if back, so if they're coming back hybrid, it means they have to feel safe on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But then there's other people that may be coming back Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So how do you manage? Uh, how do you create a culture that is half in and half out? Uh, going back to our virtual reality um, conversation, that's an opportunity, but it's not quite there. And then it's like, okay, how do we actually do that in a virtual society or a virtual world? And that's being built on the fly. Uh, so again, there's, a, there's so much uncertainty. So yes, are the stimulus checks holding some people back? Sure. But then that goes back to the, if a stimulus check of 200 or $300 a week is preventing somebody from getting a job, then you really got to think about what the wages are. You know, if, if if that if that amount of money says, "Hey, I'm, I'm making more money now than I did when I worked," that's a problem. That, Amen, brother. That, that sure. needs to be looked at. Uh, so, we, if, so for the companies that are complaining about that, I mean, offer a living wage, and people will come back if they, <laughs> they can make more money than they can off a stimulus check. I've we've heard this story. You and I have been around long enough. We heard the story of welfare that people didn't work because of the welfare payments. Give me a break. Um, if if that's if the well if what they got on a monthly check and food stamps was more than they could get at work, that's the problem. Uh, but but we have all these other issues. So there's people not only afraid of COVID, um, but do I really want to go back? I, I, I read uh, and I don't know if I I printed it out. There was there was there was an article I just read about ta- toxic bosses. Uh-huh. It goes back to, this is really important. I know we're running out of time here too. Um, well, people join companies and leave bosses, right? Yeah, but not enough. There was also, there was a study and it's like people, it takes two two years for people un, with a toxic boss to actually make the job change, which goes back to the Holmes and Ray scale. If for those who aren't familiar with it, it measured the levels of stress, it gave points. And a Change of a job is a 36, doesn't mean anything, zero to 100. But at 37, what of, of stress in your life, had nothing to do with work, but just stress in your life, was the death of a friend. So the death of a friend has the same stress impact as Almost. changing a job. And then you throw in frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction into let's make it as difficult as possible for somebody to apply for a job. And then also let's make it difficult when people are there to even find out how many vacation days do I have left? And you have to make an appointment with HR to figure that out. So there's all these things that that fill this FCDD up. And then what nobody considers is how stressful it is for people. So even there's people saying, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my employer. I don't want, but it's safe. 
it is, there's a safety in, I know who my friends are. I know, I know he's a lousy boss, but what if my next boss? My right. next it's boss it's the devil, you know, right? It's yeah, what absolutely. people are comfortable with. Yeah. So right. there, there's a whole lot of reasons. I suggest you, uh, you know, we're obviously going to be talking about this for a long time. Uh, I suggest you, you um, go up to Herman Trend Alert uh, and, and be able to download and, and subscribe and, and get this week's newsletter to that. There's a whole lot more uh, in there that Joyce had talked about. Uh, I'm certainly going to be talking about it for a while. Uh, on Friday, we're going to be talking about it at noon with Ed Gordon at the Gordon Report. And the best way to get that link is actually uh, very easy. Go to youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. Uh, there it is. Thank you, Roxy. Uh, if you go up there, it's actually going to be, uh, it's a big green emblem. Uh, and you can subscribe, you can set a reminder for it, or you just join, put it in your calendar. And Friday at noon Eastern time, by the way, <laughs> Friday noon Eastern time, uh, we're going to be talking about not uh, this uh, month's subject is knowledge shock and a little bit about this. And Ed's got a whole lot of new stats that he's been uh, working on for there. Ed always has new stats, right? <laughs> uh, he's, he's got great stats. Yeah. And uh, his, sure. he underestimated them too, but he was right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you, you can say that. Uh, thank you again. Um, here, here again, it's, what was my title? The new title of the show. Uh, we're just getting started. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for being part of Googleization Nation. Thank you for being uh, for being listeners of Geek Skeezers Googleization. Thank you for sharing, uh, putting your comments, being active in the chats, um, being active on LinkedIn, that's where, and Twitter, that's where we primarily do our, our interaction. Uh, we, you can catch the replays, obviously, on YouTube and Facebook, but also on any of your favorite podcasts. And that list keeps growing. So if you just do a search and podcast for Geek Skeezers, Geezer's Googleization, we will show up. And thank you to Ngomo. And thank you to Ngomo and Success Performance Solutions for allowing us to be here. So until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. 